Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back, everyone. Today, Gemma and I are going to discuss some topics that listeners have either asked or sent in because they'd like us to talk about them. So, Gemma, let's go ahead and jump in. The first question, are there any updates on the mysterious detective in the trench coat character? Now, for those listeners who need a reminder, we had talked to Sharon Bush, who was very good friends with Russell, and she had mentioned returning back to the apartment the day that Kathy disappeared that next morning, actually. And the detective who was wearing the trench coat had approached her and asked, did anyone at Keo do anything to you that you didn't want them to do? So this person just wanted to know if we have any more information on this detective. Okay, I can answer that. I've been doing my homework. Hi, everybody. What I can tell you, I'm not sure if this is an update, but I'm going to tell you the way things are right now. The detective has been identified by a member of his family. And right now, we're waiting to see if that gentleman would be interested in answering some questions for us. So we're going to hold with that. He is still living, quite elderly. But if we hear that he would be willing to answer questions, I offered to send questions that he can write down the answers and Shane and I can read that information or if he actually would want to do a podcast with us. So we do have a name, and I'm not going to share that because that's private right now, and we'll see what happens. Can you tell us just a little bit about how you were able to figure out who he was? Was it through a photo or something like that? Sure. I think we, when we did that episode, someone got in touch with me and told me that a member of the family was identified in that in one of the pictures. Now, there are a couple of pictures that are available that show people outside the carriage house apartments and the detective in the trench coat was identified that way and then several more pictures were sent to me. I don't know if those have been posted where a definite identification was made. So we know who it is. And the detective worked with Baltimore Homicide. Now, you have to remember when Kathy disappeared, the Baltimore Missing Persons police responded to that. But at the same time, this detective who was working homicide must have come the next day. I have the missing persons report from the Baltimore City Police Department. 
a listener was able to get it using a FOIA request, a local FOIA request, which is called MPIA, Maryland Public Information Act. And I have not located this detective's name in there, but I can tell you I'm putting the whole report in the book that I'm writing, which will be coming out later this year. Right. The next topic is something that a lot of people had questions about because it has to deal with our last conversation with your conversation with Dr. Spitz. So the first subtopic of this is, do you believe that Kathy was found behind the brick making factory that Dr. Spitz was referring to? Okay. I've done a lot of homework before and after we talked to Dr. Werner Spitz because I've heard him say this before. And there, unless somebody out there can help me, there were no brick factories anywhere near where Kathy was found. There were no bricks on the ground. She was found in a landfill. We do believe she was moved to that landfill. And that's not where Jane saw her. But there were no brick factories there. There was a sand and gravel business. There was a quarry, but no brick factories. Now, Grace or Gay Montagna, who was also murdered several years after Kathy was murdered, was found as the crow flies in an area on the edge of Lansdowne. And she was killed with a cinder block. You all know what a cinder block is. It's not a brick, but it is possible that Dr. Spitz may have confused the two murders because of the similarities and the area that they were found in, the geographic area. And I don't want to say that he doesn't know what he's talking about because I totally respect him, but it was 50 years ago. And he, I think he told us he's done like 75,000 autopsies. So there's no brick factory. And I'm not really quite sure what gave him that impression. We have not been able to look at any crime scene photos. That would not be, the police are not able to do that. So we don't know what it looked like that day, but it was not near a brick factory. Yeah. And Dr. Spitz also had mentioned that he did not have the photos of the crime scene there with him. So when we're talking to him about this case, he can't refer to those pictures. And until he's the only person who has mentioned bricks being found around her. So that's definitely not consistent with what anyone has said, nor is it consistent with the old photos from back then, from where you can see the police arriving at the scene and all of that stuff. There's no huge brick factory. I don't see bricks on the ground. It's just very an odd thing to mention, I think. If he's, unless we did mention Grace to him and he didn't remember the case, but I think it's definitely possible that he could be mixing those two. And you know what? If any listeners want to want to research brick factories around Baltimore or Baltimore County, go for it. We would love to have that information if you can find it. Yeah. And I know that you've looked into this and I have too. I even pulled all of the old newspaper articles, anything about even a mom and pop business that would make bricks in that area. 
and I wasn't able to find anything either. So, but if any if anyone would like to look, it's definitely something that we're willing to discuss more. The next part of the question has to deal with Dr. Spitz referring to wouldn't it be simple if the answer is that Kathy was killed by an anonymous person, a random killer who had a sexual motive. He said that he based that on her display of clothing at the scene. So, Gemma, what's your opinion and thought on this? Okay. Again, this is just my opinion. I'm not a lawyer, doctor, forensic scientist. This is just based on what I've learned, what I've read, and being enmeshed in this for the last six years. Okay. I'm going to explain in detail. I read the autopsy again today, how Kathy's clothes were arranged and what was there. All right. Kathy was laying on her back. A detective came and knocked on the door and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? As we deep dive into these chilling tales, we all need a moment of escape, a way to unwind without the shadow of the night creeping in. Here's where Recess Mood comes in. Crafted with real fruit, and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens. Recess Mood is your guilt-free retreat. With just 20 calories, no added sugar, it's not just a sparkling water. It's a sanctuary and a can. Imagine unwinding during a gripping episode of Foul Play with a can of strawberry rose, or my favorite, raspberry lemon. Letting the stress melt away without the aftermath of alcohol. It's my little secret to staying balanced in the chaos of a busy life. You deserve a healthier way to unwind, to recharge, and to prepare for the next journey into the unknown with Foul Play. And for the devoted Foul Play listeners, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com shane to get 15% off Recess Mood your go-to alcohol replacement. She had on a black glove on her left hand. She had on a slip. I hope everybody knows what a slip is. It's like a white garment that women used to wear under their clothing. And hers was a full slip, which means it was like top and bottom. A half slip is just from the waist down. Okay, you with me? Um, Am I teaching you something, Shane? (laughs) Yes, you are. Okay. Anyway, the top of the slip was pulled down below her breasts. She was wearing a navy skirt, and that was pulled up to her waist. Okay. So 
yes, it would appear that there was some kind of sexual motive behind her murder. I disagree with that. I still believe that Kathy was killed because of what she knew and because of what she was going to report or had already reported. And as Spitz said, he believed she was moved. I believe Jean, and so I know she was moved because I believe where Jean told me she was taken to see Kathy, which is not public information and it's not mine to share, but it's not where Kathy was found. Now, the autopsy indicates that Kathy had what is called liver, L-I-V-E-R, or L-I-V-O-R, excuse me, mortis, M-O-R-T-I-S. And what that is, it is when a person who's deceased, their blood in their body drains because of gravity to the lowest part of the body. She was laying on her back and there was liver mortis on her back and her buttocks. So it's a different coloring to the skin. Now, you have to remember, Jean was taken to see Kathy probably within a few weeks of Kathy disappearing because there were live maggots on Kathy and the weather was warm in November. So I believe that after Jean was taken there, that Joseph Maskell had his thugs move Kathy either to the place where she was ultimately found or someplace in between, but she would have been there long enough for that liver mortis to have occurred. Now, again, looking at the autopsy is not conclusive about the order of Kathy's injuries. The injury to her head was above her ear on the left side of her head, and that was made with blunt force trauma. And I can explain the description of it, Shane, if you think that would be helpful. Okay. And this is similar to what Dr. Spitz said, but whatever hit her in the head, and I think it was a police officer's billy club, it did not puncture the skin, but it fractured her skull, which sounds really odd, but her, okay, she was, her, her right side of her face was towards the ground. So the wound itself was exposed to the elements, but they still, the medical examiner still had to remove skin that was not broken to look at that fracture. The fracture, if you can picture, it was a two-inch in diameter circular fracture. The center of it was depressed, pushed down, and then there were radiating cracks. Like I'm picturing a wheel, like a bicycle wheel, radiating out to the to the outside edge. So in the autopsy. The medical examiner explains that 
when the skin was taken off of the left side of her head. This is hard for me to talk about, you guys. I'm trying to be real logical and forensic about it, but this was like my teacher anyway. (laughs) They had to take the skin off to see this when her brain was removed from her skull there was subdural hemorrhaging, which means that between her skull and her brain was where bleeding happened. And the brain was discolored, but the brain was fully intact. The bra- there was no brain damage. So the skull was fractured, but the skin was not punctured. And there was according to the autopsy, between 20 and 30 cc's. If you think about a syringe, that's, I think that's 100 cc's in a syringe. I don't know, maybe a nurse out there can help us. That's not a lot of blood, but that's what was indicated by the fracture underneath the skull. Now, Kathy also had injuries to her neck that would have been indicative of strangulation. There were contusions. There was damage to her thyroid. There was damage to the bone called the hyoid bone, which protects your throat. The autopsy also showed the existence of dead maggots in Kathy's throat, trachea, and esophagus. So what happens as the weather gets colder, this is really hard to imagine, but they burrow deeper to get warm. And so when it got very cold, that's why the people, the officers or whoever found her that day did not see evidence of maggots. And it's interesting that when we were at James Scannell's home, He brought that up out of the blue. He said there was no maggots or anything, which I thought was really weird because why would he just say that for no reason? There were maggots when Jean saw her. That's already been confirmed. So in terms of, I know a lot of people asked about whether or not Kathy had been sexually molested. I have looked at the autopsy numerous times most of those organs were gone and animals mutilated her body and any orifices like your eyes, ears, nose, mouth, genital area that are open to the air or that are moist, that's where animals are going to go. So most of her genital organs were not even there. I I don't really want to be specific, but yeah, I think we understand. You had mentioned how the autopsy says that the skin wasn't punctured where her head wound was. Doesn't that, to me, it sounds like that would go against it being the corner of a brick. I don't know, because I know Dr. Spitz is a genius, and I do understand the analogy he made of like dropping a pebble in a flat pond. Like you could drop it and it would go in and maybe not even splash. A splash would indicate a fracture, but I've looked at the pictures of the head wound. The skin had to be removed in order to even see the wound. And I understand what he's saying, and it's not my place to share these documents with the public. I, 
been entrusted with them, but I can try and explain in language people understand what it looks like. But it is possible for somebody to be hit in the head with, I would guess, maybe something round on the end that would break the bone underneath, but not penetrate the skin. I don't know, like the round end of a, like a ball peen hammer has a round end on it. Like I can see that happening. Do you know what I'm saying, Shane? Yeah. And I can also see the belly club possibility because I don't see that as breaking the skin. I also wanted to mention how Dr. Spitz had just a quick theory that he had near the end of our conversation was that this could have been a random person with a sexual motive. And then, of course, uh, you were just talking about how you didn't think that was the case. You felt like this was because of the information she had about Masco and his pedophile ring. I also wonder, though, if it could be a mixture of both. Could this have been Maskell's people doing this for him? But could there also have been something sexual that went along with it? And the reason I bring that up is because here you have a huge pedophile ring involving children, young people. So that ultimately could be within the thought process of a predator, like a sexual type of motive. I agree with you, Shane. I feel I think most people are 99% sure that one person didn't do this, that this involved a number of people and they all had something to lose if Kathy reported what was going on. And knowing Kathy, I believe she either already did or was going to. I think it was like the last insult. Of course, uh, raping someone who's deceased is a sickness and a crime in itself. It's called necrophilia. But to me, because it's not possible to tell if she was sexually assaulted, I think it's very possible that once she was moved, there was more planning involved as to how this group of perpetrators wanted her to be found and what message they had. They were also a really bunch of sick guys. And I looked up today the word anti-mortem, A-N-T-E-M-O-R-T-E-M, and it means before death. And it does not indicate that these injuries happened after Kathy died. So I believe these injuries I don't know in what order. I always felt like maybe somebody was in the car that had to strangle her to control her because I think she tried to get out of the car. There was a witness who said she tried to get out as the car was going down the road from her apartment. And that wouldn't surprise me. I believe Kathy was very resourceful. I also have come to feel like she may have been the one that left whatever was left on the turn signal. I don't know how she did it or when, but she was really into symbols. Everything was symbolic, and she taught us that way. And to me, I think she was desperately using her brain to try and figure out how to let people know what was going on. So when you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. 
but nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What are your thoughts? Dr. Spitz, Spitz had mentioned as a medical examiner, he bases his theory on what the body was telling him. And he also said that it's the detective's job to put all the pieces together and to go beyond the body. And we know that a lot of police officers were involved with the abuse. So they definitely, a lot of police officers had something to lose if Kathy went forward. If they brought Maskell down, I'm sure he would bring everyone down with him, which was would have been a huge risk for a lot of powerful people. If the very detectives and police officers who are helping Maskell or doing this to prevent her from speaking out are involved in her murder and cover-up, then I could see them quickly placing her in a position that makes it look like people would assume that this was a random act and that it was sexual in nature. And so because Dr. Spitz just has those small pieces of what the body position and clothing position could have told him, I also think that the very detectives or police officers who could have been involved with this could have made her look that way to fool people. And so that was the immediate thought that I had when he was telling us about that. And that goes into my next question, Gemma. Do you think that the corruption with the police could have hurt this investigation? Could that be the reason that it went unsolved for so long? I do. I think that's probably the main reason why this was never solved. I'm not saying that all the police were corrupt, but I'm saying that there were enough men involved in this network that included politicians who could the police could protect the clergy. There was a whole hierarchy of people who were involved in this network. I think it could have taken the whole part of the whole Baltimore County Police Department down. And I guess I'm being bold saying that, but like, when have I not been bold? Do have a comment that a retired police officer said, and he's not really been willing to talk much about it, but he told me that when he was young at the time this happened, that he was on rotation and did some time in the cold case, not did some time, not like prison, but he was assigned to the cold case department and that he read Sister Kathy's files, which none of us have been able to read. And that all he could say was that the cover up was broad and deep. And to me, that pretty much says it all. That may be why none of us are permitted, probably not why we're not permitted to see it, because they really can't. And I know the police probably know who did this. And the only way to solve it is eyewitness, DNA, or confession. And all those things are possible, but none are likely. So, yeah, I think you're right, Shane. I really do. I think this was cover-up that went all the way to the Vatican. And I think it went all the way to the through the top of the police department to the government, to the people who were running Baltimore. Yeah, I think it was huge. It's pretty profound because when I finally met Gary Childs and when Robin Teal, who was the corporal in charge of the 
cold case after the keepers, she con- they contacted Abby and I and told us what a great job we had done without having any help from them, gave them help. But I, I saw, I met Gary and when you were with me in March and he said, you're doing a better job than we did. So keep on going. And that's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing with me. And we're going to keep on going. Yeah, we are. What other thoughts do you have on what all Dr. Spitz had to say? Was there anything that surprised you? For example, you mentioned that Kathy was moved. That didn't surprise me. That made sense to me because it also makes Brian Schmidt's story. Brian is the youngest of the Schmidt family. And when he was like six, everybody will remember he's deceased now, but he recalls his uncle and other men taking a blanket or a carpet out of the nun's apartment. I think that's very possible a few weeks after Kathy was, Kathy disappeared. I don't think it would be hard for them to get into that apartment. Kathy and Russ were friends with Billy. They, they may have given him a key like neighbors do. But I think that probably the thought was, all right, now we have to move her. Let's take something out of the nun's apartment so that if it's found, it has not DNA because they weren't thinking about that, but it would have hair, fibers, whatever from their apartment rather than from the men's apartment. Of course, they could have gone to Sunny Surplus and gotten a tarp or something, but If Brian saw them taking something out of the nun's apartment, I think it was probably, I'm just guessing, maybe a blanket that was rolled up in a closet that likely would not have been missed. A rug would have been missed. I do not believe that the apartment was ever the scene of a crime because of Sharon Bush. And actually, because of Sharon, we've tightened up the timeline And because of the city police department reports on missing persons, we've tightened up the timeline and it does not look like a crime ever was committed in that apartment. It would have been a crime scene the next day and it wasn't. Yeah, it would have been very risky. The fact that she was moved to me sounds like there should have been more than one person. It also seems if you're going to move someone that kind of doesn't fall into the category of a random person with a sexual motive because they, in my mind, they would just go from point A to point B. There's no, let's move them later at a later date. That's kind of a, I don't know, weird thing that sticks out to me. And when you think about, we're talking about pedophiles, they're not normal people. They're sociopaths and psychopaths and so how do we know that they, yeah, they had sexual motives for paying for girls who were being prostituted. So how do we know they weren't going to do the same thing to Kathy? Very good point.
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.